welcome to episode 109 of Friends of Film, a podcast coming latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Ant-Man and the Wasp's new trailer, Men in Black, Bad Boys 3, and Cowboy Ninja Viking getting new directors and more after you ex machina. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who may just be an advanced AI in disguise, Josh Straley. I'm sorry, Cooper. I'm afraid I can't answer that. <laughs> well, I mean, but I can actually. Hopefully, maybe like me proliferating on movies this whole time has been its own Turing test. Ooh, interesting. Could it have been? Uh, it I don't can know. be. If it if it if it was, you passed. Oh great. So whoever your creator is, congratulations. You've Yay. made a successful AI. <laughs> But uh, hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film, and be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, and you should, leave us a review. It really helps. Yes, and the uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show and during the intro, we are going to do a retro review for the first time in quite a while uh, and do Alex Garland's 2015 directorial debut ex machina yes um the reason for this there wasn't anything new coming out this week that really interested us but also his new movie annihilation is coming out at the the end of this month Mm -hmm. so we're trying to figure out something that was somewhat relevant that we could do a retro view of that pertained to an upcoming movie and we landed on ex machina We'll figure out whether you like it or not. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, ooh, I'm not sure what that look is for, but uh, I do like it, okay? Um, first of all, I love the ideas, or all, all of the theory behind... And this is a spoiler-filled oh, yeah. uh, review. So okay. it's, it's been out for a couple of years. Uh, this is full spoilers the whole way through. We're not doing spoiler-free stuff, so if you haven't seen it, Go watch it and then come back. Yeah. Um, because we are going to spoil everything. <laughs> or stay here, listen to us talk about it, then go watch it. That'd be an interesting way to you, do it. Actually, some people say that like spoilers make things better. That's a study from the University of San Diego. But or, this is a movie that has some pretty that's uh, true. interesting and you don't big wanna. twists and turns. I agree. I, if it was me... I hate spoilers to begin with, but I wouldn't want to know the spoilers of this movie. Yeah. It's just really, well, you know, it's not almost, is it a mystery movie or is it a thriller? I was it's thinking a, about it's this. It's a thriller. Yeah. If it's a thriller, it's one that doesn't have anything thrilling about it until the last five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes. Hmm. Everything about the movie is slow and it's just kind of eerie, even though... Oscar Isaac's on screen. This is my first time ever seeing him when I watched this the first time. Um, and I'm like, this guy is creepy as heck. I don't know who, what his deal is. And then Donald Gleason pops up. And I'm like, oh, that guy's timid and shy. And then, of course, three months later, uh, I would watch them for the first time in The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens and they'd be <laughs> completely opposite of how I was introduced to him and that's how I just knew that these two were um, impeccable actors and then of course um, we have Alicia Vikander as Ava and she would crush it and then go on to crush it in um, not the Danish girl but what else uh, she, was she, in, she was in the Danish yeah, girl yeah she got the Oscar for correct uh, or did she get it for this no not for this she did get it for Danish girl okay yeah I I'll, believe 
Because she was up for like both of them, wasn't she? No, she wasn't. She, I don't think both. she was nominated for both. But there were people pushing for both. Okay, yeah. But anyway, so the three characters, uh, three of four people in this movie, um, are just incredibly talented, and you know, sell the whole thing just by, you know, acting. Everyone's got secrets. They're withholding information, but none other than Ava, the AI that Oscar Isaac. Um, Nathan, his yes. character, claims to have created, and Donald Gleason's Caleb, who's there to, you know, administer the Turing test yeah, to or her. some version of the Turing test. Yeah, or some version of it, because obviously Donald knows that the she's a computer, so there's a different aspect to it. And what Nathan withholds is that he's actually running AI in the box experiment, yeah. which is where when we create AI, it will do anything it can to get out and escape into the free world so it can, you know, wreak havoc. Because mm-hmm. people, I mean, it doesn't want to be captured. And this movie executes that so well. Um, now, some people, I think, uh, do have a problem with, like, some aspects of it, of how Alicia, like, the AI is portrayed as female and, like, why that's the case. And I'm mm-hmm. totally sympathetic to that. Um, but... From the get-go, as we like, as we kind of sort of learn more and more information, you're sympathetic to Caleb. You're totally angry at Oscar Isaac. Like from the like from the immediate moment you meet him, you're like, this dude is not on the level. Like if, whether it's the bald or the specs or the beard, or I mean, but by the time you know he takes us through um, his lab and you just start seeing parts of you know disassembled robots you're just like okay this is this is not really good at mm-hmm. all you're like caleb's definitely your guy and then by the end of the movie you're like is caleb my guy <laughs> caleb is not my guy at all he seems pretty selfish too like even though he's banging through the door and you're like let him out let him out ava and you're like well he did kind of get pretty ticked off at you so it's just kind of like there's like inherent selfishness and things like that all throughout the movie that um you're like oh everyone's motivations in this are pretty selfish except for Ava's, and then even as she's leaving, though, you're like, pretty selfish, of course. But she's like, she was the one in the prison, and so, um, kind of give it a pass for that, I suppose. But anyway, for Alex Garland's directorial debut, right? I'm, I'm 99 percent sure. Feature film debut for sure. I'll double check. Okay, but yeah, Ex Machina is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is super brainy. I could have a discussion about it, like forever um it seems like uh is shot incredibly well by cinematographer rob hardy Mm -hmm. um and just like the the position the 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 setting of the film always kind of jars me too you've got we get like an opening with some beautiful sweeping shots of like a forest then we get dropped into the set and it's got this you know millennial stylized minimalism that's going Mm -hmm. on there and then all around it's this beautiful uh, landscape but then right in the pit of it everything is just super creepy there's those masks on the wall of the different iterations and versions that just like really create a um and a, a really uneasy feeling mm-hmm. and i think the movie uh is so good with that so at the end of it i would give it four and a half out of five tickets okay uh i love this movie okay yeah with all of my heart uh, i think garland did such a great job with this and it's one of the big reasons why i'm so excited for annihilations because of him 
Um, I think the movie is so complex in its characters and its storytelling. And uh, I, I love the fact that if this was many, if this was done by most other directors, the movie wouldn't start with Caleb winning the mm-hmm. prize and going immediately there. It would start with, let's see two or three days of Caleb's regular day life to get to know the guy. No, this movie just gets you right into it. And I love that because it's it's like, we'll figure out who Caleb is on this journey. Yeah. More about who he actually is. And if we just saw him in his everyday life for a couple of days before then, um, and it also gives the movie a lot more time um, with staying into a, an hour and 45 minute runtime to focus on the actual event, focus on his relationship with Ava, with um, Nathan, instead of like, oh, let's 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 focus on something that's not important at all. We just jump right into it, um, and right from the get go, you get that uneasy feeling of just like we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, there's this like weird, like futuristic looking house. Just like there's forest, there's ice mountains, there's everything, and you just don't know what to think except for there's something off about this. But then Oscar Isaac pops on screen and you're like, uh, I like Oscar Isaac. He's, oh. he's a nice guy. You were creeped out by him? Like his first appearance on screen? Well, like you, yeah, but like, but when you same, go back at the to same it. time, <laughs> okay. Yeah. When you go back to it, you're like, Oh, I love Oscar Isaac. But also right. like, even in the first time, like he, he's still, Oscar Isaac is still naturally charming that like, mm-hmm. even if he's kind of being a little weird and standoffish, you're like, there's still something about him, okay. and like he just sounds like that one line where he's like, "Caleb, let's just drop all this like starstruck stuff that's going on between us. Let's just get to the part where we can just be buds and have a beard." And you're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, okay." It's like let's get to that okay. point because like, that's what I want to see. And um, I just think it, it's it does such a good job at progressing this notion of okay, we all everybody knows that Ava's an AI, but you know. Does she can can she actually think for herself? Does she have a consciousness? Um, is there like something going on between her and Caleb? Is Nathan just like really messed up, or is he like actually like onto something here? Um, I totally agree with what you said about Rob Hardy's cinematography. The entire movie is great from the beginning all the way to the end. When we just get the the ominous, just like one shots of every room left as Ava's leaving. You're yeah. just like. There's just, it's lifeless, and I think that's um, it really portrayed really, really well. And I would give this movie five ticket stubs out of five just because I, I honestly can't think of anything that I would change about it. Um, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, everything, the performances, uh, the direction, I think this was the first time I'd seen Vikander in a movie, mm-hmm. and Same she here. absolutely blew me away. And the fact that this is an indie movie the way that it looks and Ava's um, like her half artificial body. You're just like, this isn't, this is remarkable. This is better than some, you know, big budget CG right now. And it's, it's pretty amazing to see. And I mean, yeah, Isaac is phenomenal. Uh, I don't think this is the first time. Uh, this is the first time I saw him and knew who he was. You said Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, okay, Oscar okay. Isaac. Yes. I mean, because he, he played Jesus. Or That's he right, played, he Joseph, played Joseph in the Yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> way, write, yeah. way, way back. And like, I remember watching that like Sunday school mm-hmm. and being like, but I didn't know at that time, like, oh, this is Oscar Isaac. Right, <laughs> he did such a great job inhabiting Joseph. Exactly. I, just could, I couldn't tell. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, Gleason, he gets to really go on a huge spectrum of emotion from being the shy guy to being... 
um, a little more angry and being like, all right, I'm going to take control here. But then also, like, I love the moment where he, like, loses his mind. It's like, mm-hmm. am I an AI? And they, like, plant those seeds where, like, there's the shot of him and he just has, like, like giant scar down his back. And you're yeah. like, what's that from? Oh, he says it's a car crash. But, like, is it? You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a great movie. And one of the things I really love about it is you said that Caleb's not the hero of the movie. No, I don't think he is. That Ava is the hero. She she ends she winds up being the most pro of all the the antagonists in this film. Right. Well, that's the thing that I find so interesting. I don't even know if this movie has one true villain or one no. true hero. I think it's you can see it from each individual's perspective mm-hmm. of all right, Nathan just wants to create an AI that's something unlike the world's ever seen, just to, you know, have that kind of notoriety about him. Yeah. Caleb sees a, a uh, Ava and just like, all right, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to try to get you out. Yeah, damsel in distress um, type situation. But then Ava, like, she, for most of the movies, seems like, oh, I, I I, like you, Caleb. I want to be with you. Let's go on mm-hmm. a date. And then she flips the switch and is just like, peace out. Yeah. And you're like, uh, what? Right, <laughs> Which yeah. I, I love, I just love all that. Yeah, and especially, like, from her perspective, too, when she, the, one of the opening scenes where she's like, oh, I know, all I've ever known is Nathan and mm-hmm. this room right here. Yeah. And you're like, Ah, oh, oh, like she's never been to the outside world, mm-hmm. and to her, everyone on the other side of the opposite side of that wall, regardless of who you are, yeah, is your captor, if you will, um, in a sense. But then she sees Caleb as like you know the flaw in the system, mm-hmm. and like she just like how she manipulates him for that, and then when that's revealed um, by Nathan. He's like, I'm not here. Like, dude, I know she's smart, and I know she could fool anybody. Right. But like, what I'm here to do is to see if she can utilize everything that she's got, mm-hmm. the AI, and you know, escape. But that's where I was just like, that is that is a clever turn mm-hmm. on the traditional evil robots are taking over the world, or you know, have chosen us to be exterminated because right. Ava doesn't really aggress at all in the movie mm-hmm. until Oscar Isaac's like, I've got a knife and I'm going to, you know, try to at least right. handle you. Um, she's just wanting to get out. Mm-hmm. And then by turn, she has to leave, you know, Caleb and Nathan and everyone else, you know, bloodied or trapped right. to make that happen. So it's just like achieving their goals through a different means. And it's a little, it's a little more on the nose than like, to compare it to like anything that Blade Runner, the Blade Runners bring up, mm-hmm. but they talk about Mary in the black and white room, mm-hmm. and that's a really great analogy um, for what she's got going. And I really, I think that's where at least my sympathies for her more so than anybody else in the story like mm-hmm. come from, because it's like, oh, they're keeping life basically, you know, locked away and trapped, mm-hmm. and then that's just uh, um. When that's brought up, that's when you're just like, oh, she can know everything about everything, but not to get to experience it. And then mm-hmm. so then that finally comes in at the end. You're like, yeah, all right. I guess everybody else is sort of kind of selfish. So you go do you and get on that helicopter. I mean, yeah, kind of. But like Caleb is kind of like brought into this un 
like against his will almost. Yeah, like, unwittingly. He's, he's, yeah. he's chosen, and then he signs the huge NDA that he never should have signed. <laughs> right. Um, Where he's, I think it's like surveillance. It's surveillance for life. Yeah, <laughs> on any means of communication, <laughs> without without like um, written, oral, or electronic. Yeah, without any um, like. Uh, like they don't have to tell you, they just do it, mm-hmm. and at a moment's notice, they don't have to give you an advanced <laughs> warning or anything. So right. it's 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 pretty messed up, and so that's why I still feel some sympathy towards Caleb uh, towards the end of the movie. But you still are like when he's like slamming, he's like, "No, let me out!" You're like, he's still like at the end of the day that nice guy who is just trying to help her, and she like leaves him for dead. Yeah, like there's no way out of this house now. Right. One of the points of contention, like the reason I don't feel that bad for him, though, is is because it took him a while to arrive at the conclusion that, oh, I should help her. Because he doesn't really come to that, he doesn't really get to that moment until like session three or four. I mean, not until like she, she's like, like full like, on flirting like, with him. Like, like well, I like, want to be with you, I'm attracted to you type of thing. He doesn't get to that point until there. And it's like, if you, you know, I don't know. But so I'll, I weigh I weigh that on his character. And that's why I'm just like. Yeah. Okay. Part, part Nazi, part Nazi space Nazi from <laughs> Star Wars. You know, like I'm comparing his character. Yeah, from yeah, yeah, the yeah. Things like I see hints of it. Okay. Um, so you gave you gave it four and a half. Mm-hmm. What's like the half that's keeping it away? What's keep? I think what's keeping it away from being like totally perfect um, in retrospect, because I loved it when I saw it, mm-hmm. is that Ava's character. I mean, I would have liked the film to have been from her perspective, I think, which is kind of weird, but um, artificial intelligence is like, I mean, often grafted as like male or female, like generals or whatever, right. but there's just, there's some like parts and I guess around Coco and her, like, the deal with, like, sexuality and things yeah, like yeah. that. We're just like, I don't know if that belongs in the movie. I mean, I guess maybe it does because it helped. I don't know. You can argue what or what what does or does not help create Oscar Isaac's character as villainous. Yeah. And there's some excesses in those ways mm-hmm. that are just kind of like, I don't know if that's necessary. And that's kind of a little bit demeaning in some respects. Okay. But. It's that's nothing fair. that's like never takes me out of the movie. Right, been right, like, right. oh, this is this plot hole. It's basically par for the course mm-hmm. for you know most movies. Gotcha. Um, I think one of the last things I want to point out. I love the multiple twists there near the end where Oscar Isaac's like, oh yeah, I was manipulating you by tearing up the painting, mm-hmm. and I planted the camera, and. <laughs> oh yeah and like he's like so i knew you were trying to get me drunk this morning which is why i didn't want to drink and then gleason's like oh well i figured you were already listening so i already did all this stuff two <laughs> yes. days ago and you're like oh snap and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's so I, I i love the fact that they just were continually able to uh twist the the power in the movie we're like yeah. one moment kale's got the power another moment uh, Nathan's got the power, then Ava's got the power, and then it's back to Nathan, and then it's Caleb, and you just it's, it's that power struggle all throughout until yeah. ultimately Ava's the one that wins out, which 
uh, it's pretty cool. Right, because it's all like it's all a puzzle. Because first you realize, oh, Nathan's shutting down the power to see how they they interact, and mm-hmm. then Ava's like, no, I'm the one yeah. doing it. And then um, you're like, no, well, if Nathan planted the camera in there, then he must be the one doing it. And then like you go back, like you said, you go back and forth and back and forth. And like, and it accelerates immensely mm-hmm. in that final, those final moments, and you're just like, "Oh wow!" Yeah, I did not. I did like it was setting it up for this fast-paced like explosion, mm-hmm. and then like when, but you don't really have any idea or inkling of an idea of it until you get to that moment, yeah. or maybe you can see it a little bit when Oscar's you know looking through the cameras and mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, I think, I think it just adds to the rewatch value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, which is something I always love. Also adds to the rewatch value is his <laughs> his incredible dance number. I was wondering when you were going to bring that up. <laughs> it is it is by far... Well, I couldn't really insert it naturally That's into true. the conversation. We're a little more high-minded here. But it is just the most... It's one of the funniest out-of-place moments. And not out-of-place, maybe, because I think it speaks to... Coco's lack of her agency and things like that, mm-hmm. like where she's like not a person, she's a robot, which gets revealed later. But it's just so funny, but it's also incredibly well executed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just <laughs> watching Oscar Isaac dancing like that is—I um, don't know—that gets that, that's my lifeblood for movies now. I suppose like anytime he's dancing, yeah, any any role he is given from now on should have some kind of dance number akin to that. <laughs> it's just uh, so great. Did you hear that? We didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I think it was last week mm-hmm. that Steven Spielberg's going to remake West Side Story. I knew he was going to do that because he's going to do West Side. No, he's, he's doing yeah, West he's, Side Story, and no, then he's doing Indiana Jones, Jones Five first. Then he's going to do West Side Story, but he's already casting, and he wants a, a Latino lead. Yes. You could get Oscar Isaac. Yes. Musical, dance. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. I don't know. Yes. If, I don't. I've, I haven't seen the original West Side Story, so I don't know what the age target is. Oh, he could play 20, 25. Ooh. Oscar Isaac's like I higher seen... 30s, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, he's 40. Well, there which, you go. Which is ing- it's, it's which incredible. Is he, doesn't, he doesn't look a day over 30. He could three. do it. He could do it. I mean, when was the last time we saw him with like a clean shaven? I think that would get him there. Yeah. That's true, but I mean, you know, you probably want to make somebody else, give or somebody if, else an opportunity yeah, or if they to give, be a star. Yeah. I mean, if Spielberg's remaking it, you could cast a younger person. But he doesn't have to be in the lead. That's true. He could easily be someone, mm-hmm. you know, the Jets S- and the somebody Sharks. else. And yeah. yeah, I was just like, well, <laughs> I I had seen that suggestion Perfect. before, and when you mentioned, it, I was like, well, might as well throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Ex Machina? Anything else? No, no, I mean, I'm good. Oh, you know what? I do love a couple of components of when Nathan is explaining how he arrived at true artificial intelligence. He brings up social media, cameras, mm. search engines, which is something yeah. that was, which I do love the idea that that's how people think is just like, oh, idea popped in my head, search, search engine. engine. Yeah. And then, you know, when people act, like when people do see your search history, they're like, what what made you to you know Google soaps falling off? I mean I don't know. I'm trying to think of something obscure here, but like you know, um, whatever the case is. But yeah, yeah. Um, so clearly we both recommend it. It's uh, I think one of the better sci-fi thrillers to come out in the last decade. 
Um, oh, easily the last deck. Yes. It, it's it's pretty great. Obviously, I mean, I gave it five stars or five ticket subs. Woo. Um, so that I mean, go rec- go see it, especially if you're interested in Annihilation and you haven't seen this. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that Annihilation is uh, very um, intellectual, very uh, high concept, and I think that's obvious when you look at this film. You look mm-hmm. what Garland did. It's no surprise to me that. He's continuing to push the envelope with his uh, follow-up. So hopefully in a couple weeks when we review that one, uh, we'll be raving about it just as much as we are Ex Machina. Yeah, like the closest thing that I can think of that comes to it is Arrival. Yeah. So, all right. Pretty good company. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's all we have for our review of Ex Machina. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as always we're going to start with tick it or skip it we got three trailers this week starting with the first trailer for steven soderbergh's next movie unsane starring claire foy he shot it on an iphone it's the latest craze now don't use actual real cameras use use your iphone x your iphone 8 whatever it may be shoot a movie and this one looks pretty good was this shot on iPhone X? I don't know which iPhone. No, he couldn't because the iPhone came X out just came out right in September. So it's probably the eight. I would say iPhone. No, well, iPhone eight came out in September too. What? They came out at the same time. They came. Oh well, no, the X actually came out in November. Eight came out in September. So seven. Seven plus probably would be the best option available. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. It looks fine. I mean, the cameras. I mean, it's not going to win any awards for you know i mean they don't have so much cinematography oscars do they oh yeah they do because yeah. roger dinkins is up for one okay yeah <laughs> anyway uh even though you think he's gonna lose even i think he's gonna lose uh but anyway um it's kind of it's not gonna win any awards for that but claire foy as its star is the all eyes are gonna be on her i mean mm-hmm. like not that she's the star so they are yeah. gonna be but it's going to be her acting the heck out of this movie that's really going to sell it. It's like Shutter Island meets PTSD from a stalker. Mm-hmm. And I guess, and I, I, I have no idea looking by this trailer which way it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, and I think that looks, that, that could be really compelling. Yeah. I mean, anytime Steven Soderbergh's directing something, I'm going to be interested off the top. Uh, when you factor in Claire Foy, who I haven't, I haven't seen The Crown. So I haven't actually experienced her, but I've heard nothing but exceptional things about her no. performance and her ability as an actress. So I'm looking forward to seeing her uh, in this lead. And I think the movie just looks super intense. I like your comparison to Shutter Island. It also reminded me um, a bit of a Ron Howard movie I watched for the first time this past week, A Beautiful Mind, mm, yeah. uh, with all the, you know, is this real is this not are you making this up um so i think that could be really interesting and it looks like all the components are going to come together for this one i just hope they actually do and it's not just like a gimmicky thing because like you know you can i don't want to say you can tell it shot on iphone because it looks bad but you can tell just in like kind of the way it's shot and it's like okay this isn't a typical looking movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, you—it's ha- a wide shot mm-hmm. movie, but it's not a 
high resolution, high right. dynamic range. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not using a Leica with you know a fourteen <laughs> right. millimeter, um, you know, lens or anything like that. It's not La La Land. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, you could clearly an iPhone. Um, so th- the drawbacks and the um, pros of it, I guess, which can't think of many, you know, right. uh, are all going to be there. Mm-hmm. So. But maybe, hey, maybe when you, like, watch it, it'll look really great on an iPhone. On an iPhone. <laughs> so, I don't know. I that is possible, I guess. Um, but we also got a trailer for... Oh, by the way. Yes. Ticket. Oh, yes. Ticket for me as well. Okay, Jeez, yes. We almost, <laughs> we almost just ruined our new segment. Um, and this one, we can't actually buy a ticket for. You can certainly skip it. But if you want to actually watch, you have to click it. Oh, so um, click it or skip it. Here we go. Mute. It's, the, it's a new Netflix original movie coming out from Duncan Jones. This one looks very much like a Blade Runner sort of movie. It's, yeah. It has the same neon aesthetic. It, mm-hmm. It's futuristic. It's. Uh, Did they probably shot this in alter car, altered carbon, like back to back on the same sets. Yeah, they're think? like, hey, Denny, whenever you're done, let's just. Can we just. We use those Please. for a couple of days um, and do that. I mean, yeah, it looks – but I think it does look good. I'm excited to see what Duncan Jones uh, can do next. I mean, I don't think Warcraft was anything to uh, rave about. Was it that much good stuff in it? Mm-hmm. But there were there were elements to that movie that I was like, Duncan Jones is still a director that I'm interested in seeing what he does yeah. next. And the fact that this is going to Netflix – um, you have Alex, Alexander Skarsgård playing a mute character, which is why the movie is called Mute. Uh, I want to know more about that. Paul Rudd's got a crazy mustache. <laughs> yeah. I'm down for it. Um, and this is supposedly set in the same world as his directorial debut, Moon, uh, which I've not seen. But Can't say I know anything about it. Um, I believe that's Sam Rockwell in it. Okay. That's all I know. So... Um, I want to watch that. I want to watch this. So I will click this one. Uh, certainly not skip it. Josh, what about you? Uh, I'm definitely on the click it side. Paul Rudd gets me, I mean, is it an automatic ticket or click it? Okay. For, for whatever he's in. Um, except this is 40. I just didn't even bother with that. That was okay. All it right. was fine. Yeah. Just, I mean, like, nothing, uh, nothing great. I really don't care about Paul Rudd having midlife crisis. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I really do hope it's good because Duncan Jones... Um, I think Source Code is the only movie I've really seen outside of Warcraft, mm-hmm. and I don't, not, I would never put, I'm not going to put Warcraft on him because that was just a massive project and undertaking, and high risk, high reward, but no skin off his nose since mm-hmm. it didn't go well. But Source Code with Gyllenhaal it's great. remains remains one of, one of the better thrillers of this century. One of the most like, underrated movies. I would put it, yeah, I would definitely we scratch the top ten. And I don't know what's going on in Mute other than he's a mute bartender who, you know, doesn't is not afraid to get his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And Paul Rudd looks like he's from Hawaii, but also or <laughs> no, he's, not, he's on vacation to Hawaii. And yeah, I don't know what's going on with it, but it looks great. It seems like there's a good amount of things to there's there's a, there's a, there's a thread of joy running through it despite Scarzor's brooding and mm-hmm. wordlessness and sternness. Um, Justin Thoreau is listed on the cast yep. too as well. I didn't see him in the trailer. I think he's he's like Paul Rudd's buddy in the okay. trailer. He didn't look like he didn't look no. like Thoreau at all. So I was thrown off by that. But yeah, click it. 
me and I've already got a Netflix subscription, and <laughs> right. so you know, no big deal. You might as well. Yeah. Uh, and you already said you, you know, Paul Rudd's an automatic ticket or skip or ticket or click it. Yes. Um, which makes the decision on the other Paul Rudd trailer of the week, Ant Man and the Wasp, a pretty easy one to call. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though this one doesn't focus much on Paul Rudd, it's it's the Evangeline Lily show. This is yeah. this is Wasp just kicking butt for a minute and a half and looking good doing it. Uh, I really loved that she was the focus of this. I loved that even in the Marvel logo takeaway, instead of doing like an ant thing or whatever, they'd put up like the like the wasp kind of uh, like it's body like a wing set in armor. And yeah, right. It has like that wasp like texture design, and I was like, like they're clearly making this like this is a movie that it, yeah, it's called Ant Man and the Wasp, but I feel like it's going to be a Ant Man and the Wasp like. We're just going to show you a lot of Evangeline Lily. Yes. So in the fonts, it's like Ant-Man 12 and a half, Wasp like 14, 15 right here. Maybe even 20. 20? Uh, I, feel, yeah, I, feel I, like, I feel like it's pretty big. Especially yeah. after like the move that she's laying down. Mm-hmm. She's got blasters. <laughs> yeah, blasters, wings. Um, I love that it, they called back to Civil War and the fact that she wasn't there, mm-hmm. which I understand people are like, why wasn't she there? Like, If she's a superhero, she should have been there, but... Marvel's reasoning was we don't want to put her in there or Infinity War where we want her to reveal her suit in her movie, okay, not yeah. in somebody else's, which I, which I understand. I appreciate. And uh, I loved the way they explored the shrinking technology more and kind of expanded upon it. Uh, they still have those little throwing discs and that can mm-hmm. make a huge Pez dispenser, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but they're also shrinking buildings and the uh, rolling suitcases. There, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like? a great moment. And then they're, they're shrinking the car, which I was like, that's so genius. Uh, and then just to blow it back up, just to flip over another car. I thought that I was surprised with the action heavy tone of this. It wasn't as comedic as I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that's what Peyton Reed is bringing in it with his vision and not having to worry about, all right, I have to use a lot of Edgar Wright's previous stuff and yeah. bring in my own thing. Now he gets to do his own thing and it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, th- that's, that's the thing too. I re- one of the reasons I did like the first Ant-Man was because it had, there's these like, these um, little Edgar Wright comedy elements that mm-hmm. were just kind of still floating around in there from his work on the movie, but he wasn't there to shepherd it. So, on previous rewatches, you're just kind of like, oh, that's not as funny as it probably could have been. Or, there's no rewatchability for it. Um, but like For the entire movie? For a lot of the comedy of okay. it. There's still a lot of good elements. I mean, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is his family man and his daughter. That relationship is still gold, mm-hmm. even though it's like five minutes of the movie, probably total. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that. But, like, yeah... Uh, I don't know what's going on in this movie at all, other than people are closing in on them, which probably need an explanation for it, but it doesn't look like it's the government, because Paul Rudd's wearing a a tracer anklet. It looks like it's the government. They have FBI agents on their tail. Right. Well, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So maybe the movie openings with him just getting off the grid? I don't know. But the story for this needs to be really compelling, Mm -hmm. because where we got left last time and whatever this is in the aftermath of, because this is in the aftermath of Infinity War. Is it? Or is it a prequel? It looks like a prequel. Oh. Man, so many questions. Yeah, because I think that's almost why they were like, 
doing all the Civil War things at the beginning, showing like flashbacks to Civil War, Civil War, and like they're still talking about Civil War. They're not talking about, hey, hmm. did you see that big purple guy come down out of the sky and blow up half the world? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy, <laughs> but hey, we got to run from the government. Yeah, Ant-Man, small potatoes at that Yeah, point. it's like... I think it's a prequel because then they can still do whatever they want without having to worry about whatever the end of Avengers 3 is going to be. Plus, um, like, they say, like, they like the reason he's on house arrest is because he's a fugitive at the end of Civil War because he breaks out. Right. <laughs> or, you know, Captain America breaks them out of the raft, so he has to be put on house arrest because he's a fugitive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why his family's, like, kind of in peril. That's why... Um, the Pims are on the run because they're associates of him, so they're trying to get okay. them too, uh, which I think is what the plot is there. That's, so this is gonna they're be, all on the run. This so, is going to be intricate. So it's going to be like it's going to be like the first film was a heist film, but now the heist is the government after <laughs> the heroes. Oh. This will be. This will be. I, I will be. This movie will either be great. It'll either be good or really great. Is there? This sounds very high concept. Is there any chance it's? Not the worst MCU movie of the year. Is there any chance it's not the worst MCU yeah, movie of the year? It's better than Black Panther or Infinity War. No, it's the worst yeah. of the year. <laughs> I know, because listen, I mean, look, I haven't even seen Black Panther yet, but, I've, no seen on it, but. I've seen people's tweets of it already. And I don't know, but Evangeline Lilly could easily come out as the best actress of you know, Marvel movies this year. Yeah. She definitely has the first central role of one. Yep. Um, her name is yeah. in the first title. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But it, it's a great opening. One other thing uh, I love, we don't see Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet Van Dyne. So no. She is, uh, she's another huge portion of this movie. They're trying to find her in the quantum realm. We don't get any, we get like, I think one or two hints of going into the quantum realm or being in there. Yeah. But we don't actually see anything about Janet. And then we also see a shot of, um, Lawrence Fishburne as Bill Foster and the way this trailer is shot they cut it uh, quickly from the twitching hand of Ghost played by Hannah John Kamen yep. to then Lawrence Fishburne looking like oh that doesn't look good um, so I'm, I don't know if Bill Foster is the one who like creates this villain which would be interesting if then she is teaming up with the FBI or some other agency and going after the Pims. Or I've heard the theory that maybe uh, mm. Ghost is actually the Van daughter oh. of Lawrence Fishburne. So then it's like father-daughter over there, father-daughter yeah. with, um, with the Pims, father-daughter yeah. with um, Paul Rudd and Abby, Abby uh, Forston. Oh, okay. And then there's like all the family dynamics are all over the place. Um, mm. So I, I, I'd be okay if that was the case. It would be interesting. So, uh, that's, um, we both said ticket for yes. that. Yes. Yeah. I was locked um, in from the get go. <laughs> so we're buys on all the movies that came out or the trailers. Yes. So, absolutely. um, moving on to the actual news section. Uh, we got word this week from screen rant first revealed that, uh, Disney had set their sights on Emily Blunt to join the cast of jungle cruise. And then the day after variety confirmed that she has in fact joined the cast as Dwayne Johnson's co-star, uh, Walmart Colette Sarah is set to direct, but there is currently no release date. Production begins in May, so should come out next year. Does Emily Blunt make you more excited for this movie? Yes, but 
also what is Jungle Cruise? <laughs> really? Like like I mean, maybe Womclet's got something awesome up his sleeve and that's why Disney's like, you know, ready for this film. Yeah. But other than that, nah. Not interested. I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'll say this. Have you seen Jumanji yet? I have not seen Jumanji yet. Got to get But on listen, that. but listen, but listen, but listen, but listen. I just think we're in danger of the rock becoming a parody of himself, okay? Did you see the you saw the I mean you, we tweeted it from the account today. Skyscraper? Week, the skyscraper. Yeah. We are <laughs> Dwayne Johnson jumps from wreck from destructive <laughs> like building uh being blown up could describe yeah. 20 of his movies probably. Mm. So I uh, don't man, gosh. Listen, I was on the Jungle same cruise. I was on the same train with you thinking, "Up, oh, The Rock is just going to become just a parody of himself. He's just going to be The Rock in all these movies." But I mean, Jumaji's pretty great. All right. And if they can kind of recapture some of that magic, you know, that The Rock, it's in the jungle. Um, now you have Emily Blunt in there. Yeah. Um, Emily Blunt is always great in whatever she does. Mm-hmm. And I think this also means great things for Mary Poppins returns. Cause obviously Disney's happy with what she did in that movie. They're going to bring her back yeah. for another big movie. And you know, I, I, I just like the foundation of it. Yeah. I want to know more about the plot. Like, what is it? Are they, um, you know, just trying to get down a river? Are they trying to find some artifact or some treasure? Um, I mean, it's based on the Disney ride, but I mean, What's the story of that ride? I don't know. Um, so I just yeah, I just need to know more. But we have three foundational pieces in the director, the two stars, and I like all three. So yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in at this point. I'll save my ticket or skip it for the trailer. <laughs> I mean yeah, that that's fair. Uh, we also got uh, an official announcement this week from Nintendo and Illumination that confirmed previous reports that they are working on bringing a new animated Mario movie to life. Mario's creator Shigeru Miyamoto and Illumination CEO Chris Melandandri will co-produce the film. There's currently no word on a release date, a script, a director, stars, anything else. It's just bare bones. This movie's happening. It's been announced. It's going to be the first Nintendo-based movie since the 1993 Mario Brothers live-action film that everybody hates. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Illumination is the studio to do it. Um, cheap, easy laughs is probably Illumination's motto, and also adorable animation. Yeah, uh, incredibly adorable animation. So imagine Mario, mm-hmm. imagine Luigi, but then imagine all the little Toad peoples that run around. They are gonna have a heyday with it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I agree. let me rephrase that. It'll be cute. I don't know if it'll be good. Yeah, is is this the stand. movie you previously predicted would be the world's biggest movie? This could be the world's You said that before, right? Biggest movie. Everybody loves Mario. Yeah, they do. Who I mean, doesn't love Illumination Mario? Illumination has a great track record. I think, I mean, whether it's Sing or Minions or Despicable Me franchise, all their movies make like a billion dollars. Um, and now you're putting Mario in as front and center. Uh, I mean, his new movie, his new movie, <laughs> his new video game, Odyssey, is like the best-selling Nintendo game right now or one of the really? best-selling video games in general. Um, so clearly Mario has not lost a step in terms of his pop culture significance. And uh, Odyssey is fun. I, 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 I am totally on board to see this movie. Hopefully it doesn't take six years. Um, but I'm just more interested to see what they actually do with this. One of I love Super Mario Galaxy. 
on the Wii. I thought that was yeah. a great game. I don't know if they would go there to start or if they'll start with just, you know, the regular do an adaptation of 64, mm-hmm. then get there, and eventually they'll do, like, a Metroid Prime movie, they'll do a Donkey Kong movie, and then they all culminate together, Smash Brothers, um, Cinematic Universe. Uh, it'd be epic. That's 20 years away, probably. Metroid Prime is the missing property that we should have had in film. The right only thing now. I don't know about that is... I feel like Metro Prime would be an awesome live-action movie. Yeah, it can't be animated. Um, but if this movie's a hit, I feel like Illumination would be like, Nintendo, give mm-hmm. us everything. Let yeah, us make, like, true. Zelda. Let us, let's make you know, Star Fox. Let's make whatever we want. We're going to make a billion dollars off your name for the next 40 years, mm-hmm. which is totally possible. But as for this one, yeah, I'm totally in. Yeah. Zach Woods, I don't care about casting, but Zach Woods has to play Luigi. Okay. That, sure. No? Why not? Yeah. I just don't know. We were talking about this before we started recording. I just don't know how much dialogue is going to be this movie to begin with. Um, It's true. Because the games never really have them do monologues. They're just like text blurbs, and then they do their catchphrases whenever they die or they do something special. Mm -hmm. So, like... Are we going to get like a ton of talking like in this movie? I don't know. Or they could go sort of the Minions route, which is a terrible movie, but they could do like a minimal dialogue, Mm -hmm. focus on the story, the spectacle, uh, the adventure of it all instead. Yeah. Or like they'll do like all Mario games, insert a sidekick, and that sidekick talks most of the time for Mario. Uh, Checklist. Will it have Luigi? Yes. Bowser? Yes. Princess Peach? Yes. Waluigi? Y- y- yes. Wario? Wario is an absolute. Yoshi? Did I already say Ab- that one? Yes, Yoshi, of course. And that's There's all I can think of. Those are like the big ones, Those right? are the big ones. You can also toss in Daisy. I mean, uh, Boo King, Ghost. King Toad. Yep, the Koopas. Um, Baby Mario, Baby Luigi. Whoa. Yeah, they'll be in there, well, too. Those are the prequels. Well, well <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a... There'll be a flashback to baby mario and baby luigi go. and then we'll have the prequels yeah, of yeah. them on yoshi island based off of the baby mario and yoshi games there we go yes we got it all planned out for your illumination you're you're set for years you to come. are welcome um a controversy that came out this week we yeah. moved from happy positive news to one that's uh Just it's, it's it's weird mind numbing um Fantastic Beasts, The Crime of Grindelwald, director David Yates spoke to EW this week, and they asked him about uh, Dumbledore's sexuality, which is not something we would typically cover on here, but it's it's relevant because um, after, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not mm-hmm. a huge Potterhead, I've only seen the first Fantastic Beasts and the first Harry Potter movie. Oh, you didn't go all, all the way. So That's far. Right. Okay. Uh, I just watched the first one like a couple of weeks ago, so... Um, but after the books were already written, after the movies had all finished, J.K. Rowling announced that, oh yeah, Dumbledore's gay, right? It was after everything had already done, um, which got fans really excited. Oh, cool. We have this LGBTQ character represented in the Harry Potter franchise. Retroactively, yes, but he's still in there. And so then when they announced that Jude Law was going to play a young Dumbledore in these Fantastic Beasts movies. Mm-hmm. Fans got all excited going, oh, we're actually going to see that relationship between him and between Grindelwald, who yeah. is literally named in the title of this movie. Um, but when asked if that was going to be shown, 
David Yates said, quote, not explicitly, but I think all the fans are aware of that. He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men. They fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other. But it doesn't matter. Like the way they're doing this, they're making it seem like it doesn't matter that he's gay. Yeah. Which could be the case. This is, I mean, mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling fought back and was like, hey, you guys haven't read the script. Right. This is only the second movie in six movie arc or right. five movie arc, five whatever movie it is. Arc. Mm-hmm. So you guys don't know what's to come. But it, it, feels, it feels like a weird move to make, to make this announcement years ago, bring him in, and then not even touch on it in any way. Yeah. It just, it feels one of those things where you're hiding from the attention almost. And by doing so, you're going to bring a lot more negative attention upon yourselves, upon the movie and upon uh, the actors, the director, everything. Yeah. David Yates is explicit with his definition of that is going to like be what hinges on like, you know, like, Oh, okay. No big deal. Like he was giving a diplomatic answer Mm -hmm. to something completely like mind numbing because like what Rowling has been throwing bombs ever since she completed her books about my characters are also this and this and this and this and that and the other things. And then she, one of the ones was Dumbledore is gay and people like, Oh, okay, cool. And then, but then she like went further to say like him, he liked Back in the day, um, he had feelings for Grindelwald mm-hmm. because they were bros or they were together yeah. um, coming up in Hogwarts and things like that, and Grindelwald didn't reciprocate. So whatever Yates's definition of it, you know, explicit is, um, if that's like an underlying tension that they just don't address head on, but it's, you know, in all of the conversations and mm-hmm. the, or that's the subtext, that's one thing. But if it's completely ignored, if that's something that you're like, that's a draw character, you know, uh, something to have a drama between two people for, why would you leave that out of your script? Yeah. Especially if you're JK Rowling writing these things mm-hmm. because she's supposed to I mean, yeah, yeah, she, yeah penned, she wrote them all. Yeah, absolutely. Or she's currently writing them. Yeah. Right. That is mind dumbingly dumb yeah or mind numbingly dumb dumb, yeah i mean i understand it's her world and i'm not trying to like seize control of Mm -hmm. something that's hers and she can do whatever she wants with but why would you skip over that if you're like you as someone who's writing fiction um when you have like an already like an easy direct link Mm -hmm. why would you not take advantage yeah i mean you're your biggest new addition for this new movie is Jude Law's Dumbledore. Yeah. And you're giving Johnny Depp's Grindelwald a huge role in the sequel. Mm-hmm. I would assume they're going to cross paths at some point. Yeah. Or at, at the very least, Dumbledore will have a conversation with Newt or somebody else about Grindelwald and his whatever he's doing. Yep. And in no way, yeah, maybe there's going to be that tension of like, oh, maybe something's ha- – they, they have a history. Right. But to not be like – yeah, we were like together like 10 years ago. It's like, why would you not mention that? Like that makes that relationship, that dynamic between the two more important than just being like, oh, there's something mysterious about these two. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to um, a problem I think Hollywood has with actually using LGBTQ uh, characters in big Hollywood movies and yeah. actually 
having them be that way. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's expecting this movie to have like a five minute, like, all right, here's their passionate love affair. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it doesn't need to be called. Yeah. Call me by your name. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is, yeah, this doesn't need to be called by your name, but it's Dumbledore and Grindelwald. It's just, there, there are ways to show it, whether it's like Star Trek beyond, you just have, you know, Sulu walk away with his, with his husband mm-hmm. makes it clear. But then there's like, you know, the LeFou controversy with Beauty and the Beast. If if that if Josh Gad hadn't said before the movie or whoever said it, oh yeah, LeFou's gay in this movie, yeah. nobody would have known. Right. Well, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's not obvious. Well, there are hints of it. He's definitely queer for sure. But there's no like overt like, oh, here is yeah. him doing this. It's like, oh, right. the payoff to all this for all those people who are like, oh, cool. Yeah. Here's here's mm-hmm. a, here's somebody being represented on screen that way. It's just oh, he's dancing with another guy for a second yeah um there's a there's a long list of Mm -hmm. um these big budget movies doing this um i believe there's an article coming from screen run about it this week um you guys can keep your eye out for if you want to kind of learn more about that but I, i just think it's a weird move for them to make especially for a movie that's already has not been without a ton of controversy because of depth being in it to begin with mm hmm now you had this in the first movie was just like moderately received. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's, I don't know if this thing's going to make it five movies. I would not be shocked to learn it becomes a trilogy. Yeah. And at that point, like if they were planning on having this big confrontation, the fourth or fifth movie between the two, you don't get that chance. So, mm-hmm. um, but also, I mean, let me say this, another saving grace. I mean, I will say in the interview where, jk rowling's when it explains about some of this stuff she does call it a fraternal bond and maybe if the five movie arc pays out and Mm -hmm. there's a third and there's a fourth and that's maybe something that's revealed yeah but then like it's just just, it's just weird to be like oh yeah but all potter fans know this right it's reactionary it doesn't it doesn't make it like oh super clear to everybody else then yeah um so it, it feels just like a Oh yeah, we're 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 representing all yeah, we all got people, this wink. but we're we're not really. Um, I hear you. But moving on to directors, uh, variety report this week that Michelle McLaren will finally make her directorial debut with Universal's adaptation of the Image comic Cowboy Ninja Viking, starring Chris Pratt. She reportedly beat out Jennifer U. Nelson from Kung Fu Panda and Dope director Rick Famuyiwa for the job. Um, after Pratt, who's producing the movie. Uh, reportedly pushed for a female director on the project. The story of Cowboy Ninja Viking uh, follows an assassin played by Pratt who pulls skills from his three different personalities of, you guessed it, a a cowboy, a ninja, and a Viking um, to kill people. So Mm. I am very excited for Michelle McLaren to finally get this if you've... But uh, Cooper, who is Michelle McLaren? (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, Internet. Uh, Michelle McLaren, for all you people who don't know and if you don't it's totally understandable because tv directors are kind of hard to keep track of because they will jump around yeah. uh, it's not as like oh here i can tell absolutely this is this director directing this uh episode of television it's more just like oh this still feels like the same show it's just a different person's spin on it a little yeah. bit uh, but she's done a bunch of breaking bad she mm-hmm. did game of thrones walking dead yep 
Um, she was an executive producer on the X Files as yep. well as Breaking Bad for multiple seasons. Directed some X Files episodes or one episode um, of the X Files. I mean, too, she's yeah. she's done a lot. Better Call Saul, uh, The Leftovers, yeah. pretty much any major TV show in the last five years outside of like True Detective or something. Michelle McLaren directed a big episode and one of the better episodes of that series. So <laughs> this is great news. She was up. She was originally going to going to do Wonder Woman for WB, but then she wanted like a huge Braveheart sort of epic, and that's not what WB wanted. They wanted the character focus. They made a pretty good choice, I would say, with, by going with Patty Jenkins at the end of the day. But um, I'm excited for Michelle McLaren to get this. I think this movie and this concept is incredible. It sounds so interesting and fun. I think Pratt's going to really do a great job with this. Um, and I'm also glad to see a female director get a big movie that's not led by a female. Because I feel like a lot of times it's like, oh, here's this big female movie. We have to get a female director. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. But female directors can do non-female-led movies too. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I'm glad to see that happen and hopefully be the start of more women directors getting more big-budget movies regardless of who uh, or what gender is leading the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, number one, uh, Ninja Viking. Cowboy Ninja Viking. Cowboy Ninja Viking. First of all, it's going to be like probably maybe the first movie with the true essence of essence of Chris Pratt on display outside of Parks and Recreation yeah, well, just, and Lego movie. What if this is actually a movie set in the Parks and Rec universe where Andy has become he's living out his personalities uh, of that would be awesome <laughs> of Burt Macklin yeah. and well, not Burt Macklin because there's not an FBI agent right but if it's Burt Macklin who if they do something like that that would be it's not awesome. happening but it, yeah it'd no be funny. it would be yeah uh, but yeah so um it just sounds like a not not high concept it sounds like the lowest common denominator of a concept <laughs> but just it could be infused with a lot of joy helmed by a director who knows how to um, eke out drama, but also has, like you said, commanded three commanded episodes of three of the highest budget series ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Game of Thrones was pushing like what? 2.5 million like per episode yeah. or something like that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, and then, of course, I'm, I can't imagine what it was for The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously stoked for her. And then yeah, now her name's going to be in the lexicon forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, when you see her name up on there, like just, she was the one, you know, she did Oathbreaker uh, that, and things like that. So, um, yeah, very cool. Very, yes. very cool. Um, moving on to a Will Smith franchise that is actually going to reprise a role in. Bad Boys for Life has a pair of new directors, according to Deadline, uh, that it would be Adil L. Arby and Bilal Fala, two people uh, that you probably have know nothing about because they are very much indie directors. They've done a movie called Black a couple years ago that was like a Belgium twist on Romeo and Juliet, hmm. um, which got a lot of critical praise. I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, and they, their next movie comes out this year, and clearly I haven't seen that. But they are reportedly going to direct Bad Boys for Life, the third movie. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are set to star. It uh, currently has a summer 2019 release, I believe. Um, or no, this one doesn't have a release date yet. 
but uh, Sony is eyeing an August start to production. So if this if that happens, they would definitely hit theaters sometime next end of summer fall. Um, so are we don't know anything about these directors? So it's really just like, no. are you happy to see Bad Boys Three move forward? No, <laughs> no, I don't really care. Okay, uh, I mean, like Will Smith is great in those two. Um, the first one being the best. The second one is just all Michael Bay and yeah, yeah. explosions and you know, '90s action that it boggles my mind. You know, think like you know, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- maybe with two young, I'm supposing these, mm-hmm. supposing these guys are yeah, in their yeah. 30s, suppose directors getting their hands on a property like this, they can put a totally unique spin on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 20 years, right? Since the last Oof. film. Um, it's pushing it. Yeah. A decade, almost two decades. So a lot has happened. So what happens when you insert these two, uh, into today? I'm sure there's plenty yeah. of good stories that can be eked out of that. Um, especially with, you know, what's available for action and things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, maybe I'll, they would consider it, <laughs> but you know, I'm not just like, I'm not putting it in my calendar. Right. Uh, I, th- I find it interesting, uh, or I will, I will find it interesting to see whether or not it has any connections to the bad boys TV series that's in development with Gabrielle union, um, Ooh. starring cause she plays one of their wives. Or sisters? She would be uh, Martin's... Not Martin. Yeah, Martin Lawrence's sister? Yeah. No, Martin Lawrence's wife, I think. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen Bad Boys uh, 1 or 2. But there's a TV show in development with her starring um, in the same role that she played before. So who knows if there's any sort of crossover, if she would come back for this movie, if the TV show is still set in this... I mean, it has to be set in the same universe, so... It, you know, is there continuity? Is this the bad boys universe? Who knows? Um, the other thing I found interesting is that this movie, if this does start shooting in August, which is still a long shot. I mean, we don't know what the state of the script is. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll still have to cast the rest of the roles for this movie. But if this does go into August, Will Smith is already shooting something from May to July. He's shooting Gemini man um, for Ang Lee. If he's doing this the rest of the year, Suicide Squad 2 was supposed to shoot this year. That would definitely not happen with Will Smith. So could it move forward without Will Smith? Could they do it without Deadshot and really just hope that Margot can still do it um, around the Quentin Tarantino movie um, and then just build in new characters with big, bigger stars? Yes. Would you want to see Suicide Squad 2 without him? I, I wouldn't say it depends it's a, on who they replace him with. That would be the big thing because a movie with with him just missing would be lame. Yeah, but if someone some other villain is introduced that fills his spot, and he's just as uh, cool and fun to watch on screen as Will Smith is, go for it. Because God, remember Will Smith's got to go film Bright Two as well. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I mean, I know the, the dude's busy and. I mean, his. It seems like his character could be replaced. It could be. I hope it's not because he's him and Margot are like the two good parts of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So to see one of them leave, but also Harley would have to 
be brought back to the squad at some point in the movie because she's on the run with the Joker. How does that all work? I don't know. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, if they replace it with Joel Edgerton as Captain Cold and a couple other people. No, oh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'm all, I'm, I'll be more okay with it, but I'd still rather see Suicide Squad 2 happen with Will Smith. Um, one movie that will not happen with Will Smith is the next Men in Black movie, which, according to Deadline, is going to be directed by F. Gary Gray, uh, the director most recently who did The Fate of the Furious, uh, as well as Straight Outta Compton. And this one is going to be a spinoff slash reboot of the Men in Black franchise, focusing on new agents since Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are not expected to return. It's going to hit theaters June 14th, 2019. Um, do you like the choice of Gary Gray? It's okay. I mean, again, Men in Black, so you could have picked, you know, anybody. And I think <laughs> I would have just been like, okay. okay yeah. You know, but I I do. A lot of mess stories for you today. Yeah, I just, like, I just, I have a hard time getting excited about this. I mean, Gary Gray's great. He's fine. Um, but just, I mean. Will it depend on who I'm, they cast? It'll depend on who he cast, but I just have a hard time, like, you know, parlaying his the the films he's done, like the Fate of the Furious, obviously the most drawn up and explosive of those movies. So, like when you put that into a Men in Black movie, yeah, yeah he definitely can helm it, and he'll definitely be able to, you know, um, manage all of you know a, a large budget films, you know, aspects. But what is how like you know the Fate of the Furious's story was just the worst. So dumb. <laughs> and, you know, how's that going to, like, play into um, Men in Black? Yeah. Um, I like the choice of F. Gary Gray, even though I don't think Fate of Furious is very good. Um, but he did do Shade of Compton, which I thought was incredible. Yeah. He did uh, the Italian job back in the day. Um, he did the Italian job? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, he in the, like Friday, I think he directed that. He, I mean, he's got... He's got a very interesting uh, history and filmography. Why have I never... Man, I feel like I should have heard of him before now then. Um, you know, at least before The Fate of the Furious right. or Trade of the Compton. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's a good choice. I like, obviously, the fact that they're getting um, a person of color directed. I think it also shows that, yeah, even if they don't replicate the older white guy, up-and-coming black guy dynamic, it's still going to be a diverse cast of two three, four, however many agents is the focus of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think it's a good choice, and I think it shows that they can do something new, but stay in the same um, sort of tone that the previous Men in Black movies were in. You know, okay. I've actually convinced myself to be somewhat excited for this. Okay. If this is a agent origin story, because Will Smith gets picked up in, like, what, his mid-20s, 30s, when he becomes an agent? Yeah, yeah, late-20s probably. Yeah. So what if this is sort of like, not saying spy kids like type of a level, but like some kid like 22, 23 years old gets recruited by the the Men in Black agency, and it's sort of like um, world-building and... You want it set back at the beginning? Back at the beginning. Or like now oh now but it's like a, not that origin story for the the not system for the company, but just for, for like person? the agent for agent k that's right is it k you want an origin story of tommy lee jones's character not tommy no not tommy lee jones's character you throw them all out you don't need to do any reprisals or um I mean, if you wanted to you could set it back and have josh brolin play the younger 
okay, like they did in the third movie, and just have a new his new partner or whatever. What's Will Smith's character? Um, uh, I don't remember. I don't know, but like that, you kind of take that and you start it from there today. So recast everyone. No one's the same. Complete reboot. But it's the same characters. But it's the same characters, new cast, but just a little bit younger. So, like, uh, um, Jesse Tyler Williams? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, he stars, and it's him just out of college, gets, gets recruited, and we go up from there, or something like that. Why does it have to be the same characters? It doesn't have to be, but, you know, just kind of like, you know, a, a really fresh way to take a look at it. Okay. Even though they are claiming nostalgia and things like that. It's uh, Will Smith is Agent J. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones I don't is know, K. I'm just confused. I just, I, I, Men in Black sort of just kind of like let out a whimper with the last movie. and then, I enjoyed three. I thought it was fun. It's been a while since I've seen it, so maybe it, you know, it's not as good as I remember, as my 16-year-old self remembers it, whenever, however it was yeah, when that came out. Um, but... Like you said, I think this will depend mainly on who they cast in the lead role here, uh, or the lead roles, plural. Uh, is there anybody you want to throw out? When we talked about this before, when it was announced, you wanted Paul Feige to direct, or Paul, F- Paul Feig, not Feige, different different Feige, Paul yes. Feig to direct, <laughs> that's not happening, uh, but you also wanted Kate McKinnon to star. Um, is that still what you, you who you want, or do you want anybody else no cider i mean yeah because f gary gray definitely pushes the movie towards a more serious take than comedy mm-hmm. like so this will be something i mean maybe comedic but also more like an action movie with mm-hmm. comedy spritzed in the men in black movies have been more it's a fun wonky, action comedy yeah comedy with some action i would say more so because they definitely they definitely um we're thrilled to revel in like just the weirdness of aliens and all sorts yeah. of things like that. Like, do you like pie? I love pie. That whole <laughs> bit from the second one. That the second one? Yeah, it's the second one. Um, like it was more goofy than it yeah, was yeah. serious. Then F. Gary Gray kind of says serious with a little bit of goofiness. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think I said Jesse Tyler Williams, like R.J. Siler would be great to drop in there. I mean, if you're casting based on the first three. Right. Which I don't think you have to do. You don't have to do. But if, that, that, but if that's the direction you want to go, then who's your Tommy Lee Jones character? I don't know. Um, How about... William Defoe? I would like to see him in a comedy. Whoa. I haven't seen him in... I mean, That'd Michael Shannon. I know I'm trying to think of grizzled old people. Russell Crowe? Nice guys. <sighs> He's good at wearing those shades. I'm, oh, that's right. I was just saying, how does he do in comedy as a straight man? Yeah, he would do. Yeah, he could do it. He could do that. Ugh, stupid. I don't want to train this younger kid. Or actually even better. Why not just get Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling for it? <laughs> I am, I'm just really high on him. I did Blade Runner and La La Land back to back this geez. week. So, um, But what about you? I've been talking for a long time. Um, well, when we talked about four, I wanted Kumail. I still think he'd be a great choice mm-hmm. just because I think Kumail's hilarious and I'd love to see him lead a big movie uh, i don't know how likely that is because i don't know if kumail is a movie star um or if his name's really gonna get people's well he's a movie star in, now in C- yeah um but 
The one name I want really bad is Tiffany Haddish. I oh. think she would be so killer in this movie. Yes. Um, she's the perfect amount of zany. Um, apparently, she's talking to Paul Thomas Anderson about working on a project. That, I think that would be incredible. Um, but I think her doing this would be really fun. Um, and then if they want to pair her up. I don't, want, I don't know if I want to see the older guy, uh, younger, up-and-coming guy. You know, same dynamic we've seen before. Because if you want to do that. Why not just make another movie or, you know, you, I feel like you're just doing the same thing. True. Um, so I would pair her up with Ansel Elgort. <gasps> hey. You got the baby driver connection. So yeah. it's Sony. Um, this is obviously Sony franchise as well. So I think Tiffany and Elgort would be a super fun uh, team to put together. Mm-hmm. Other candidates I'd like to throw out, Karen Gillan. I think she would be really fun okay. in this sort of a franchise. She's proven the comedy. Uh, she could do the action. Um, I would also, if they want to stay, if someone wants to stay with people that they're familiar with, they're, they like Zoe Kravitz. I think she would be cool. Um, Daniel Kaluuya oh, is yeah. uh, he's one of the hottest names in the movie industry right now, so why not pick him? I already mentioned Russell Crowe. And then if I had to go two more kind of obscure, lesser options – not obscure because they're still well known, but I don't think they're necessarily going to get a leading man shot in a big franchise like this. Dave Franco, mm-hmm. I think he'd be great, and Andy Samberg uh, oh, because yes. he's so funny, and uh, I would love to see him get something bigger. So maybe if because that's another question: Would they just do two agents, or mm-hmm. would they be like, all right, here's a team of four, and we get Tiffany Haddish, Ansel Elgort, Kaluuya? and yeah. Russell Crowe. See, like, because I can't, like, because if you, like, that's why I'm just confused with the F. Gray Gray choice, mm-hmm. because it says serious action movie, but in my mind, Men in Black has always been in comedy, and, like, you've just listed out basically all the- A bunch the, of comedy people, a bunch yeah. Of, no, not, not, not necessarily all comedy, but that, like, them being in a movie, why would you waste their comedic chops? Like, why would you not- I don't, s- yeah, I don't- Assemble- a great comedic cast to go ahead and just have fun with a with a wonky premise. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a super serious movie. I don't think so either. But I think it just kind of does point towards um, serious with fun and you know sprinkled in. I would say it's fun, but with stakes. That's what I. I mean, and the other candidate I'd throw out O'Shea Jackson Jr. He's got the yes. he's got the connection with Gary Gray already mm-hmm. from Shadow Compton, and I think he'd be uh, excellent. Or if you want to Golder. Cast Ice Cube. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Ble- then you, c- you couldn't do the 21 Jump Street crossover then because it'd be uh, – but if, but if that's off the table, Channing Tatum would be great. Um, there's there's a lot of options that if they announced any of those 12 people I've named off or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. Um, but, I want yeah, I want to see obviously more about it. And, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think Gary Gray is a really good choice. I'm excited to see him get another um, – Big movie after becoming the first African American director to direct a billion dollar hit. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's taken a studio seven, eight months to hire him onto a next project. So, uh, yeah, I think I think this is great. Yeah, wow, it has been a while. Yeah, we're actually probably longer because it came out in April, so it's been ten months. Snap! It's, yeah, wow. So. Maybe while. he's had his pick of the litter and it's just been... Maybe. Uh, you know, because I can't imagine an easy time on a Fate of the Furious. Right. <laughs> Apparently I had but, to you know, juggle a lot of egos there, unsurprisingly. But 
Oh uh, yeah, there was some drama that broke. There's a lot, a little lot of drama over Rock there. Rock and Diesel did not Rock get and along. Diesel hate each other now. Uh, Tyrese hates The Rock for splitting up the team, the family. What? Uh, it's it's a lot of stuff. Oh jeez. Um, but that's all we have for this week. It's all the news. It's our review of Ex Machina. Uh, before we sign off, Josh. What are we going to review next week? The train movie with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> nine twelve to Paris? Close. Nine nine fifteen. Nope. Nine seventeen. You're halfway there. Nine thirty four. Nope, wrong way. Nine 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 six. Just you're, you're getting worse. The fifteen seventeen to Paris. Fifteen seventeen to Paris. Um Clint Eastwood's uh retelling of the heroes from the the, the fifteen to seventeen to Paris. The fifteen seventeen to Paris. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and the, the gimmick about this movie, I guess, or the the draw of this movie is that they're using the actual people who were involved on it, uh, who saved the train from an act of terror, a shoot, yep. mass shooting. So it doesn't look good to me. No, like as at least as a film overall. But we'll see how uh, you know. I mean how it does inspiring, I suppose, because that's, that's definitely going to be the crux of it, mm-hmm. is watching those people earnestly try to recreate their act of heroism. Yeah. And yeah, I think it, there can be those inspiring moments, but I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about this one mm-hmm. just because of it's just three schmoes coming off and actually who've actually done this, so I mean, they can bring their experience onto the set, but you're asking them to recreate what I would assume is one of the biggest moments of their life um get that emotion from people who are not actors and make that compelling and able yeah. to convey it and the trailers haven't made me seem like they haven't given me confidence back like, yep these guys are great performers it's more like okay these guys are just reenacting what they did maybe throwing in a couple of cheesy one-liners yeah. um, about <laughs> it's a baby about, Spencer. <laughs> about about life's uh bigger journey and mm-hmm. <laughs> everything so yeah. Uh, it's a little on the nose. It's it, it's Clint Eastwood, so I'm, I'm hopeful he can pull it out. But at the same time, this movie didn't get that limited release in December, so it didn't qualify for Oscars, which means, to me, that's going to be a middle-of-the-road movie. Right. Because well, if it was great, they would have done that. <laughs> be like, Academy, you need to see this rough cut. Vote for us. And that didn't happen, so... And they're not pushing it till the end of the year, so like they don't have the Oscar hope. They're just dumping it in February. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm I'm expecting a a middle of the road movie to uh, kick off February. Yeah. So well, who's, who knows? Either pleasantly surprised, or we'll say I we we called it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll also be back uh, this week with two episodes. Um, you will hear the big question on Friday instead of Wednesday, uh, where we're going to recap. The trailers again from the Super Bowl decide who won, but the reason we're delaying it is because we're going to have an emergency pod that comes out late Tuesday, early Wednesday, uh, depending on when we record and how quickly we edit. Um, because the solo Star Wars trailer, well, solo Star Wars story, yes, it's finally getting the first trailer Monday morning on Good Morning America. So by the time you guys are hearing this episode, it'll probably already be out. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to predict that's going to happen? We are going to get. We're, we're, you're going to look at this trailer and be, oh my gosh, I cannot believe Aldine Reich just made me think he's Harrison Ford. 
That that's okay. my prediction. I think he's gonna smirk at the screen, and it, it'll be one of the closing shots. And he'll be like, "Oh, is that why? I love. I'm, I'm in love with this guy." How much will he talk? Uh, he'll say about two, three lines of dialogue. Okay. Or maybe he'll say nothing the entire trailer. He'll be running around, and then he'll say a line, and then smirk at us on the screen. Something classic. Will it just be on nostalgia? So it's like here's, be, the, here's the Kessel Run. Yeah. Here's here's the uh, the what's the, what's the dice game? Kabask or whatever. Uh, Sabak. Sabak. Uh, it's actually no Pizak. No, it's Sabak is the dice game. Pizak is the card game. Here, here's how here's how we won the Falcon. We're just teasing all the stuff you already know. Um, because what else are they gonna show? Random assortment of characters and Star Warsy stuff. Yeah. Opening trailer, shot of the Falcon, a Chewbacca roar, line from Al Nineryks Han Solo, smirk. Chewie, this looks like our new home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chewie, let's call this place home. <laughs> that would be that would be so funny if it's the same reverse angle with just Alden and Chewie. I'm pretty sure that would immediately uh, like everybody hate this movie. That would be just like Ron. At that point, you're just like picturing Ron Howard doing his own best imitation of the Elmo on fire, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but I do. I really. This is. I'm excited for the movie. I think it's going to be a good trailer. Uh, I love everybody involved. So, but yeah, um, emergency pod. I'll be there to. Yes. Yeah. Give our opinions. Uh, final prediction or two final predictions. Mm-hmm. Will we see Vader or a Boba Fett hint in the trailer? No, I don't think so. They're either. secondary cells. Um, and it's coming out after Super Bowl. We're going to discuss the Super Bowl trailers. Who do you have? Eagles, Patriots. Patriots by four. Um, I'm pulling for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Don't want to see the Pats win another one. But it, it's it's the Patriots, so they're going to win. Yeah. Even if they're down 40 in the ha- first half, they're going to come back in miraculous fashion and win it all. And just cement Tom Brady's legacy even further. So uh, hopefully those trailers deliver because mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be happy watching the game. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back this week with two episodes discussing solo trailer and the rest of the trailers. So be on the lookout for those. If you want to make sure you get those, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on any other thing we're Cupid on. Cupid and Donner and Bl- – no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think we're on Google Play. Yes. Um, so any – podcast thing you can find i think overcast is one that uses us as well that Um, people use as well so if you you look for us on a podcast network and we're not there let us know we'll do Mm -hmm. our best to get us on there so you guys can hear us wherever you want um but obviously then share this episode retweet it like it whatever then give us give us a five star review on itunes um because that'll help people find the show easier uh, it helps us just grow, which is something we would love to do. Um, but that's all we have for this. Be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered from the news, from the trailers, from Ex Machina, uh, by tweeting us at Friends and Film. You can follow me and Percy on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends and Film podcast. Josh? Solo, a Star Wars story. And be sure to turn next week for our view of 1517 to Paris. 